0: Acts chapter 28, we are finally going to finish the book of Acts, and having decided for sure what I'm going to do next, I've been thinking about Judges, but I'm, I'm open to suggestions. That's kind of where my mind's at. I, um, I'm wanting to really do a deep dive into the book of Judges, got some things um, interested in really studying from that, but again, I'm, I, I'm not set on that yet, but that's kind of where I'm thinking so we'll see what happens. But I, again, I am open to suggestions. So get them to me quick. I usually work on my Wednesday message on Monday. So uh, if you have any suggestions, get it to me before then and we'll see what happens. But Acts chapter 28, something I want you to kind of think about. And I'm going to cover this at the end of this chapter. When we finish up with this chapter, I want you to think about the book of Acts and really just the theme, the main point of the book of Acts. Whenever somebody writes a book. You know, obviously, whatever the book's about, there could be a bunch of different stories. It could be a bunch of facts. It could be just kind of chronicling events. But either way, typically, a book has a main purpose and a main theme that it's covering. Like when the writer went to write that book, it's like, I want to tell this one story. And with that one, within that one story is many stories. And of course, the book of Acts is like that, too. Where there is a lot of stories in the book of Acts, so there's a lot of different characters. But at the end of the day, you know, having gone through this entire book, if we just kind of zoom out and we take a look at the book as a whole, what would you say the theme of this book is? What would you say when the writer, when Luke went to go write down Acts 20 through or Acts chapter one through chapter 28, what was he saying? I'm going to write about. You know, what was he trying to get across? Why did he tell the stories? that he told because we know there I'm sure there was a bunch of things that happened with all the different apostles. You know, why don't we hear We you know what did Bartholomew do during that time? You know, anybody ever wonder about that? I'm sure he was doing something. You know, what, what did, you know, Thaddeus do, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but we do hear a lot about what Peter did. We hear a lot about what Paul did. We hear some stuff about James. So, why the specific stories that they did tell we know that they went all over the world so why haven't we heard the stories about what they did in america and you've ever thought about that okay and you say oh, you even know they came over to america well we heard from a baptist writer at that meeting that we went to uh that they were over here in america and started baptist churches and and, uh, you know, you need to be able to trace your lineage back to those <laughs> churches. I don't know where they got that from, but, you know, e- either way, uh, that, that was interesting when we heard that. But why doesn't the Bible tell that story? You know, why did it tell the ones it did? And it, the stories that it tells, it's telling for a reason. And it's an interesting thing to think about. And so we're going to go through this chapter and then I want to I show you kind of what I believe the theme of the book of Acts is. And, uh, I guess if you were going to subtitle it, I think the acts of the apostles is a great name for this book. I've heard some people say it should be called the acts of the Holy spirit. Um, but no, I think the acts of the apostles is a good name for it because we are, we're seeing the things that the apostles did. We're watching the work that they did in spreading the gospel. But if I was going to subtitle it something else to kind of give maybe a little more specific about their acts and what they were doing and what they were trying to accomplish. Uh, there's another name that I would give it if I you know, had any authority to do so, and I'm not trying to do that, but uh, I'll, I'll share that with you at the end. But last week we saw Paul, he's going through a major storm. He's going on this voyage on a ship at sea while on his way to stand trial in Rome. And the cha- this chapter here picks up right where the other one left off. And it says, because uh, uh, the, sh- the ship w- was destroyed, but they were all able to escape to land. Every one of them survived. It was a thing around 280 people, if I remember right, or uh, it was under 300, but pretty close. And it says, and when they were and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And barbarous people, you know, they would be people who just weren't very civilized, just barbarians. These were probably people who weren't really a part of the Roman Empire. It's just a small island, and while there was obviously, or, uh, you know, people there from the Roman Empire, you know, it was just a island nobody probably really cared about, and these people just kind of, you know, probably lived like savages, barbarians, and uh, were probably very ignorant when it came to. A lot of things and so while the bar in you know, barbarians they obviously weren't people that anyone looked up to in that day but they had souls and they were capable of salvation and we see in 1st Corinthians 14 11, it says therefore if I know not the meaning of the voice I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me okay? why is he using that term you because know, again a barbarian, they're just somebody who's just so primitive, they're so uneducated, they don't even have any real communication skills. And Paul's just saying, if I go and I'm speaking in a language you don't know, I'll be like a barbarian. Because we're not going to be able to communicate with each other. I'm going to be like somebody who's just, you know, so ignorant, they're not capable of expressing anything. And so, uh, barbarians were not smart people. He says in Colossians 3.11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And so a barbarian, it was just kind of a low class of person. But you know what? They were capable of salvation. And when it comes to salvation, there aren't classes of people. There's not a barbaric class uh, in God's sight. They've all received imputed righteousness and I, I believe that uh, a lot of these barbarians, the Bible does not specifically tell us what happened, but I'll bet a lot of them got saved. I just tend to think that's what would happen because that's just what happened everywhere Paul went. So it says in verse 3, uh, in, in these, and while these people were barbarians, again, they were still kind. You know, and you, listen, there's a lot of people out there, and I talked about this a little bit the other day, like even, even the Muslims, okay, when I was over in Israel. You know, Muslims, they can be really nice people. I get it, their religion's bad, But it doesn't mean they're not capable of loving their kids, of loving their wives, of doing nice things. Obviously, some of them want to blow you up. But, you know, a lot of them that want to blow you up. It's just because they're really zealous of their religion. And, you know, sadly, they have a false religion. And so we look at them as kind of crazy. But you know what? There's people that look at us as kind of crazy because we're really zealous about our religion. And, And that causes us to not like certain groups, too. You know, now we don't ever try blowing anybody up, but yet just because of the fact that we don't like certain people, people act like we're crazy. But yet, are we not very capable of love? Are we not capable of very nice things? And it's the same thing even with Muslims. And let me tell you too, I'm going to offend some of y'all with this one, but you know, I talked to a lot of Jews over there that were really nice people. And I hate to burst your bubble, but and you said, well, they just wanted your money. Probably. But, you know, but at the same time, too, I, I, there was, you know, there was one guy we talked to. I'm glad this didn't get on video. I'm, I'm glad we were trying to do man on the street interviews. I shouldn't be getting sidetracked and telling stories. But I, I want, it was this Orthodox Jewish guy. I wanted to interview him. And he didn't want to talk to me on camera. But he's like, but you know, off camera, I'll talk. And so, you know, we didn't have the cameras on we we're just talking and having a good conversation. And he's answering questions and everything. And then, um, but he, he was, he was being super nice. And then he was just like, hey, he's like, let's do, he, he like, he like grabs our hands. And then he like starts pulling us in a circle and like dancing and singing some <laughs> Jewish song. And it was just like, oh, <laughs> I don't know he just saw that. But, you know, you know. That's how they express themselves over there and how they do things, but I was like, man, I hope nobody saw me dancing with a Jew, uh, over here. I'll I'll be, I'll be dead meat, but it it was, it was kind of funny. Uh, you know, got, got a good laugh out of it. And if they did video, you would see the reluctant, freaked out look as we're being drugged in a circle. But anyway, it didn't last very long. Um, but, uh, I don't know why that just came to my mind, but, um, but yeah, but yeah, so either way, People can be nice. They can be kind. And again, a lot of people are just deceived. That was the Apostle Paul. Paul did a lot of really bad things, but he did it in his zeal for his religion where he was just in major error. And when he saw the truth, he got right. And he got saved and he didn't do those things anymore. And there's a lot of people that are are caught up in false religions That if somebody presented them the truth, and that's the thing too, boy, we have no idea what it's like to live in a country where you are literally surrounded with people that are basically all just like you and where censorship is crazy and like all they're getting is just Muslim stuff. And we we have no idea. What that's like and and i don't think we're most of us are capable of understanding the bondage that these people are in and so we've we we need to be a little more merciful with people and understanding and the apostle paul was somebody who was like that he did he he loved he loved souls and it says when paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand and when the barbarian saw the venomous beast hang on his hand they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. So these barbarians, interestingly enough, you can kind of call them karma people. Okay? I've been hearing more and more people talking about karma. Okay? Now let me tell you, karma is a very barbaric belief. Okay, Now here's the thing about it though. Karma, it is, it's something that kind of makes sense. And there's an element to truth to it. Because what does the Bible say? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So it is a reality that you do, you reap what you sow. But at the same time, too, you know, there's not like this invisible force known as karma making these things happen. Now there is a, a force out there or a divine power that's making a lot of these things happen. God. But here's the thing about that too, though. God often, you know, car- car- with karma, everything's. Ex- happens exactly as we would expect things to happen with God. Things often do not happen at all the way we would expect them to happen. But at the end of the day, when we see the final product of everything that God does, we're always like, wow, you know, God definitely knew what was going on. God definitely did take care of everything. Yes, you do reap what you sow, but it's never the way we think it's going to be. And that's why one of the things I hate about most Christian movies is I I just, I'm bothered when people make up stories about how God blesses, because those stories always turn out the way we would think they would turn out. But the thing is, God rarely does things the way we think he will. God almost never does things the way I think he's going to do them. But you know, when you go watch Facing the Giants, when the guy sells out for God, his wife gets pregnant finally, you know, he gets it, you know, he keeps his job. The whole school has revival. You know, in real life, he might get fired if he started doing some of those things like that. But you know that's exactly what we all think is going to happen if we sell out for God, that everything's going to be great, amazing grace is going to start playing you know, and just happy music, wonderful things that's not the way things typically work. God makes us go through some real trials sometimes, and a lot of times you know we just we don't see these things. you know there were things that God promised to Abraham that he never received in his lifetime he's not going to receive them until the resurrection so Just, you know, understand that while there's, you know, some things that appear true and almost biblical to a certain extent with people with some of the stuff they say about karma, just understand it is, it's a very simplified and barbaric version that if you put your belief in that, you're going to be greatly disappointed a lot. And so don't ever substitute that and don't ever pretend that what people call karma is God. It's just, it's just not the case. God's ways are way higher than ours. And so, and the thing is too, these people, what, what was their conclusion accurate? They thought, wow, this guy, he survives the sea, but then he dies from a serpent. He obviously was a bad guy. Was Paul a bad guy? Absolutely not. Not at all. And so they, they were wrong in what they saw. And uh, Paul, what's he doing? You know, we're going to see he shakes it off. It goes into the fire, but I want to point this out too because I've been hearing some weird teaching, uh, from some special individuals in the online world. Uh, I, I'm not going to name any names, but he's out in Tennessee. He's meeting in a tent and he's real crazy. I, I some of you might know who I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm not naming him, but I think it's better to use a description like that and then it's funny that I don't have to name him, you know. But anyway, and if you don't know who he is, you don't really need to find out who he is. But You know, this clown is getting really into this name-it-and-claim-it spiritual gifts, special powers, and everybody's coming, and he's casting demons out of everybody and healing people and all this kind of stuff. Greg Locke, you know, (laughs) might might as well just say who it is. But but turn over over to Mark chapter 16. I couldn't decide if it was, you know, I didn't didn't want to come off as I was afraid to name him because I wasn't, but... At the same time, too, some of you were looking at me like you didn't know who I was talking about. And I just figured crazy Tennessee thinks he's healing people. You know, that would that would tell everybody who it was. That's where I was going for and it fell short. But verse 17 says, and these things shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So people will go to this passage here, but understand those things did happen. Those things did happen, like Jesus said. Now, here's what Jesus was not doing. I heard a dispensational guy the other day. Like, you know, you people, you think that the Gospels are for you. You know, you're in the wrong dispensation. You know, you can't do all that stuff that's talking about there in Mark chapter 16. That's not for you. You know, we got churches out there trying to do the snake handling stuff. They're 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 in the wrong dispensation doing that. They're going to get themselves killed. Listen, what Jesus was talking about, in Mark 16, he was not telling people, "Hey, go pick up serpents, go drink poison, and I'll protect you." No, you know what he's doing? He's just saying, "Hey, you go preach the gospel, and you know what? when bad things are happening to you, I'm going to protect you." And that's exactly what happened here with Paul. Paul gets bit by a serpent. Paul wasn't playing with the serpent, showing how much faith he had. Paul's just making a fire. He's doing something normal that you would do to survive and he gets bit by a snake and God protected him. That is way different than me getting up here in church and walking around with a big poisonous snake. How many have seen the one where the guy got bit in the ear and like died? Okay. Now that wasn't funny. But I laughed too. I mean, it's like, you know, you know that's sad. That guy died doing something so foolish. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, you do dumb stuff. Things like that are going to happen. You know, you m- mess with the Bible that much. But then, too, you listen to some dispensational guy act like oh, it would have been fine if he'd been in the right dispensation. Paul never did it that way. The disciples never did it that way. They weren't drinking poison just to show that they could. Just, come on, people. And these things happen. And then you have guys like Greg Locke out there going and trying to make these things happen. You know, but... That, no, that's not how this works. Okay? That's not how this works. I'm going to say more about that when we get later, when we see some of the miracles that Paul did. But it is just, it is amazing some of the things people pull from the Bible. And then they, they will. They'll just go claiming these things. You know, it's like, Pastor Tommy, do you have the power to cast out demons? You know, I don't know. I haven't i haven't done it yet. And I haven't needed to yet. But you know what? You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to read that passage. Oh, man. I've got the power to cast out Demons. Nobody around here's demon possessed. All right, I'll start calling for the demon possessed to come to the church. You no, know, that that's not that's not how they did these things. They would go and they would encounter situations where these needs were there, and then the Holy Spirit would give them the ability and they would t- they would take care of these things. But you've got guys today that are taking these verses and then just like, "I want to do that cuz that'll make a great show. That'll get me a great following." And then they're just going and you know, asking for all these things to come, inviting the demon-possessed people to come to church. It's like, you know, in the Bible, typically the demon-possessed encounters while while they were out and about doing the work of the Lord, getting people saved. It wasn't in church service. But again, you know, these these people, it doesn't resemble what's in the Bible. But they'll try to tie it in and it just doesn't work. And so Paul was not trying to get the servant to bite them. So, and we, we don't take what Christ said in at Mark 16 and then try to make those things happen according to our will. Hey, hey, if I ever get bit by a serpent, I hope God does a miracle and lets me survive. In the meantime, I'm going to keep looking out for snakes because God gave me, you know, God put a healthy fear of snakes in all of us for a reason. And, you know, God gave me the ability to run pretty fast. And, you know, and, but the thing is, if I'm out there being foolish, if I'm going out and I'm, you know, swimming in the swamps of Louisiana and I get bit by a water moccasin, I might die. I shouldn't be swimming in the swamps of Louisiana. There's got gators out there. What, what I think's going to happen to me? So, you know, but if I'm out, you know, somewhere doing the Lord's work, trying to reach some people for the Lord and something happens, you know what? I think God God will take care of me. But you know what? He might not too. We're going to see an example too. I'm going to show you later in the Bible where God didn't heal somebody. And so we don't always know when God's going to do these things. Sometimes God's going to heal people. Sometimes He's not going to. Paul three times tried to get himself healed through prayer and God didn't heal him. So it's not always a court. it's These things are not to be done according to our will. They're to be done according to God's will. And when God wants them done, He gets them done. And all these things that the Apostle Paul did, all these miracles that took place, they were according to God's will. Not necessarily Paul's will. And God often gives His people what they want, what they ask for too. But sometimes He doesn't. And Paul didn't always get what he wanted. So verse 5 says, And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And there's a message there I preached a long time ago You know about not letting things hurt you that should hurt you. There's some things that should hurt you. Y'all understand that? Listen, somebody gossips about you, that should hurt you. You know why? Because backbiting hurts. Gossip hurts. But did you know that with the help of God, you can shake it off and not let it hurt you? Listen, you know, there's, if, if, you, if you go to church for any length of time, if you're in the ministry for any length of time, you are going to have some stories that you can tell about people who have wronged you. I mean, I said, I could tell those stories. I, I said, I, I did. I tried telling somebody a story this week and man, did they outdo me on stuff they've had done. I'm like, you know, good night. But it, it, at the end, of, at the end of the day, you know, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to fo- What? Cause I could also talk about a lot of good things. I could tell a lot of good stories about things that have, have done for me. I could talk. I could tell a lot of feel good, happy stories of things that God's people have done for me. I could talk about a lot of blessings that I received. You want to, th- you want to talk about a blessing I was doing my live stream yesterday and I started telling a story in there, I don't know if anybody saw, about this guy that I used to work with that was crazy, that got fired for throwing knives, that had a filthy mouth. When I talked to him about it, he said, you know, you be- you know I asked him not to use profanity so you better get used to it because I'm not about to quit. You know what? I looked that guy up. This is the second time this year this has happened where I started like thinking about former coworkers that used to make my life miserable and I looked him up on Facebook just to see if I could find him and I found him and they died in 2021. And I, I looked that guy up and sure enough, he died last year. And I'm not saying he died because he was mean to me. I, you know, the guy just, he lived a horrible, you know, unhealthy, you know, drug, alcohol life. And that typically takes people out early. Another guy, he lived, I, I, was, I was thinking about, he lived in Ohio. I hadn't seen this guy in 20 years. Or almost 20 years since I'd quit at Walmart over there in Spring Valley, I looked him up. They had all these memorials on there for him. He died. wasn't even 50. I'm just like, and, and you know what? So yesterday, I looked that guy up and I started looking up all these former coworkers of mine from McDonald's. Have you ever, anybody ever done that on Facebook? You just kind of go down and you start looking at all these people. I started, I started looking up all these people and I remember too because I, I was innocent, you know, from a preacher's home. And this was like the first time I've been around like the world, and you know, and you understand the temptations and all the things these people are doing. Let me tell you, the way my life has turned out compared to the way these people's lives turned out. Let me tell you, I felt very thankful. I felt very blessed. It's like, man, thank God I was raised the way I was raised. Thank God I stayed in church. Thank God I got a good wife. I mean, just it, it blew my mind just seeing. Where some of these people are at in their life now. And it was a blessing. It was a huge, huge blessing. And so, um, you know, don't just trust God through things. Things don't have to get to you. Things don't have to hurt you. But if, if you, you can let them, but you also have the ability to shake them off. But let me tell you, it takes faith. There's some, thing, there's some things people have gone through. That I I don't know how they shook it off. I know people in the ministry today who've lost spouses and they and they stayed faithful. Who've lost children and they stayed faithful. And it's like they like went through a fire and they don't even smell like smoke. How, how did they do that? God helped them. God did a miracle. God does God does those things. And so um, there's a message right there about just shaking things off. You can do it. I'm telling you, you can do it. So verse six. How they looked while he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. And so right here, you know, this was dumb too, but this is just their ignorance. These people are ignorant. This isn't necessarily wickedness. They don't know any better. They've never seen anybody get bit with a snake like that and just shake it off. But you know what? I guarantee you, Paul straightened him out in this. The Bible doesn't tell us what he said after that, but Paul... God accused of being a God before, and what did he do then? He rent his clothes, and he t- stopped the people. And without a doubt, the Bible doesn't tell us about it, but you know Paul, straightened him out. Listen, people, I'm not a God. I'm flesh and blood just like you, but you know what? I'm here because God wants me here. And you know what? You're getting preached to, and I, I, I'll, bet, I'll bet they got saved. I, I, I'll bet they did. i bet they didn't do like they did in Ephesus, where after he declared he wasn't a God, they stoned him. I doubt they did that. But verse 7, it says, "...and in the same quarters were possessions of the chief men of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors, and when we departed... They laid us with such things as were necessary. And so, um right here we see Paul. This is the last chapter, but notice how Paul is healing people here in Acts chapter 28. And just keep, because I was listening to this dispensationalist guy and it blew my mind, all right? These guys are always coming up with new weird things that's like, where in the world did you get that? But he said, he was talking about dispensations. It was the same guy that was saying, you can't go to Mark 16. You're not in that dispensation. You go playing with snakes. You're going to get bit. You're going to die. You know, he's saying all that stuff. But he's like, the apostle Paul, you know, he was in a transition period in the dispensations. And so understand, you know, Paul ended up losing his ability to heal. And, and I heard, I was like, what? What? Wait, what? He said, yeah, Paul lost that ability to heal because he got into the new dispensation and where does he get that and he got it from second timothy 4 which just happens to be you know late in paul's ministry probably after this time here in acts chapter 28 but it says "Orastus this abode at corinth but trophimus have i left it my lead him sick so why did he leave him there sick lost his ability to heal because they got into the new dispensation but here, here's the problem, all right, with that. Of course, so, several problems. I'm pretty sure Melita and Melitum are the same island. This is where he was healing people, and he wasn't there real long. But second of all, the again, these miracles were not something that God gave them so they could just do at their own will. These were things that they did under the leadership of the Holy Ghost for for, uh, for God's will. That that was why they that was you know, how these things worked. And God gave them the ability to do these things as signs. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not for them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them that believe. So preaching, that's for believers. The signs, he's saying, that's for people who don't believe. So the thing is, Trophimus, one of his companions, this guy's already saved. He doesn't need to heal him to get this guy to be a believer. He doesn't need to do a miracle in order to help this guy get saved and to reach this new group. This is somebody who's already been saved, already reached. And so it wasn't, again, Paul didn't just get to heal whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted to. These things were always according to God's will and God's God's purpose. So that was just a dumb thing to say. I'd never heard that argument before that Paul lost his ability to heal because he entered the new dispensation completely I was like that is probably one of the dumbest things i've ever heard so those gifts god gave the apostles said they were not something they could ever necessarily use at their own will paul tried to get himself healed three times while he was still in the dispensation where you're able to and it, it, it didn't work you know why because god said my grace is sufficient Listen, this group over here in this island that you're going to be with for a short time, these people have never heard the gospel. They've never had any light given to them. I'm going to give you the ability to do some things for them because to help them out, but mainly so they will see the truth of what you're saying. So they will have proof that what you are saying is of God so they can be saved. That was why he was able to do those things. But when you had sick church members, sick people that were saved, you know, we just have to deal with those things sometimes. That's just the way it is. And, you know, and listen, when you're sick, I'll, I'll visit you, I'll go to the hospital, I'll pray for you. But you know what? I can't guarantee you God will answer my prayer. I can't guarantee you God's going to heal you. And if you want to guarantee, then you're going to have to move to Tennessee and go to Greg Locke's church and let him take care of you. Because, you know, I I can't guarantee anything. You know, he can't either. He, you know, he, he he's not going to be able to either. So... Always keep those things in mind. First thing we need to understand too is, you know, these things that the Bible's talking about here, these things did happen, and these things were fulfillment of what Jesus said in Mark sixteen, but they weren't necessarily promises to every single Christian, you know, and that we will be able to do all these things whenever we feel like it. Don't ever try to pull that from the scriptures. You're just you're not gonna be able to do that. So Um, look at verse, uh, where we leave off verse 11 and it says, and after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux and landing at Syracuse. We tarried there three days. And from thence, we fetched a compass and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew and we came the next day to Petuli, and we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appii from Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. Okay? Now, taverns, it's, uh, if you look up the definition, it means like a hut or wooden or walled buildings. Okay? This doesn't mean they were going and hanging out at the bars. Okay? So if anybody ever wants to try to use that to justify going to the bar, it's not the same thing anymore. Alright? We use that word differently. Verse 16, and when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with the soldier that kept him. And so remember, there was almost three hundred people on the ship, and a lot of them were prisoners. And so the chances are a lot of these prisoners that were with Paul probably were bad guys. They were probably they probably weren't like Paul. Who were there unjustly. They were probably legitimate criminals that needed to go stand trial. But notice how Paul is still helping all these people get taken care of. I mean, all of his, his captors, his fellow prisoners, they are all being preserved. They are all being protected. They are all being cared for because of Paul. Paul's the one that's gaining favor with the people of the island because he's the one That God does a miracle with with the serpent. He's the one that's doing miracles for the people, and so all these other people, the ones who are actually in authority over Paul, they're all benefiting from Paul because they're being taken care of, they're being protected, they're in a vulnerable situation during this time. And so, you know, it's it's just it's interesting when you read this because, uh, you know, you got to wonder. I wonder if these people, you know, I like to think that when Paul did. Stand before Caesar, they were like standing there with him. Like, listen, we're the one that brought this guy, and journey we've been with him for months. Don't mess with this guy. <laughs> you know, he, he's a good guy. I'd like to think they did that. I don't know what happened exactly, but it's it's just a pretty neat story, and it just shows Paul shows Paul's love for people. Paul really loves souls, and we've got we really need to be that way. And it came to pass after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of your fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called you to see you and to speak with you because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And I love what Paul's doing here too because everywhere Paul has gone, he has tried reaching the Jews and everywhere he's gone, for the most part, the Jews have shut him down. They have persecuted him. Paul has been on this long, treacherous voyage just going to Rome because of the Jews. But when Paul gets to Rome, Paul understands that, you know, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to tell the truth and he doesn't want to get the, his, the other Jews there in trouble. He's not there to make trouble for the Jews while he's in Rome. If I'd have been there, i had been like, yeah, these Jews, they're a bunch of snakes. They're always falsely accused. They're always trying to use the Romans. They have nothing. They're making a mockery of your court system. You know, you need to do something about that. That's what I'd have done. But Paul, what does he do? And, and again, it's amazing he was able to do this. It just shows the favor that he had with his captors. He calls all the Jews together. He's like, hey, I just want to let you guys know what's going on. I want to explain myself to you too. And we're going to see that Paul, you know, I think he was under the impression that the Jews there in Rome probably were going to know about him and be thinking negatively about him. But he wanted to let him know that, hey, I'm on your side. You guys need to get saved. He wants to try to reach these people too. And so he tells them, I'm here right now in chains for the hope of Israel. Jesus Christ. And, and showing again, Paul did not think he abandoned his religion. Paul never thought for 1 second that he quit being a Jew. He did not know that. Okay? Cuz it didn't happen. Paul was obedient to the scriptures. Paul was obedient to true Judaism, to the word of God, and beca- and he was a follower of Jesus Christ, and he was calling on his Jewish brethren to get saved. And to believe on Jesus Christ, so they could keep their inheritance, so they could continue to hang on to the promises that God gave to their fathers so they wouldn't be cut off as a people. We have got to get it out of our heads that Christianity is a new religion and Judaism is the old religion. No. Christianity is the is Judaism continued on. What we have today that is called Judaism is a new religion. It is apostate Jews who formed a new religion, that book of Revelation called the synagogue of Satan. That's what we've got to understand. And so, uh, yes, things changed under the new covenant, but it was Old Testament Israel reformed. That's what we are today. And so, you know, when people want to laugh at us, because we say we're Israel, spiritual Jews, all that kind of stuff. You know, when was the last time you guys did sacrifices and all that kind of stuff? We're the we're the church reformed. We are the church in the wilderness reformed. And when the Reformation came, they got rid of those things, and so we're not doing those things. They got rid of the Levitical priesthood, and we and you know what? And even though we know what tribe we're from, Ephraim, as we talked about, I think last week, at the same time too, that doesn't even really matter either. At the, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But technically, to fulfill certain promises, God would in, is going to include us in what I would I believe is. Ephraim and i um, not going to re-preach that but verse 21 says uh, and they said unto him we neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee and it does kind of seem strange to me that you know while they were so determined to get Paul killed it's kind of interesting how n- none of the Jews Warn the Romans. They knew Paul was going to Rome, but yet they didn't send any letters to Rome saying, make sure that guy dies. They, did, they didn't do that. And I'm telling you, here, here's why I think they did it too, because I think they thought they could put one over on, you know, Agrippa and on the government there. In Israel, things were very unstable, but in Rome, things were stable enough, like, we're not going to get away with this foolishness over there. You know, it's not going it, to work in Rome. So when Paul went there, you know, while Paul thought they're going to be sending letters, they're going to be turning the Jews against me, they hadn't done anything. So the, the people and the Jews in Rome, they're kind of a blank slate at this point, which is an advantage for Paul. And so, um, verse twenty-two says, "But we desire to hear of thee. What thinkest thou? For as concerning this sect, we know everywhere it is spoken against." And again, the Christians were seen as another sect of Judaism, and it was and it was one that other Jews did not like. But, you know, Jews had a history of not even getting along with each other. So the chances are the Jews in Rome, you know, they might have been on the more liberal side and just didn't really care. Yeah, we heard there's this other sect that nobody likes. But, you know, we're over here in Rome, so we're obviously not real serious about things. But, you know, we'll hear what you have to say, Paul. So when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. Which the dispensation will tell you the kingdom of God that's for the Gentiles that's what everybody's a part of you know, you know the kingdom of heaven that's for the Jews why is he talking about the kingdom of God with the Jews okay it's kingdom of God kingdom of heaven same thing It says persuading and concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening he <coughs> preached Jesus from Moses and the prophets there it is again we have seen that throughout the entire book of Acts Jesus preached from Moses and the prophets. He's not preaching. He didn't preach from his seven epistles or 13 epistles that he wrote. He preached from the Old Testament. That's how he preached everything. And so it says, and notice just how much of Paul's preaching in the book of Acts is to the Jews. Most of the preaching we see from Paul in Acts, he's speaking to Jews. And and the thing is, the things he preached to the Jews are exactly what he preached to everyone. But yet, just because of a couple verses where it mentions Paul's an apostle to the Gentiles, people act like he preached a completely different gospel. But no, he just had a specific assignment to go to the Gentiles. But he was always getting sidetracked with the Jews. Always getting sidetracked with the Jews because he had a personal mission to see them saved. He wanted that personally. And so the Gentiles, they were just a specific assignment. And now, these final verses we're about to read... I believe they kind of give us the theme of the book of Acts. And, and so think about this. From, again, when writing a book, there's a lot of things that you're trying to accomplish as a writer, but there is usually a central theme uh, that, you know, that, they're, that they're focusing on. And so verse 29 says, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years, and his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Or you know, what? I skipped part of it, didn't I? Yeah, I skipped verse. Uh, I knew I got ahead of myself there. Twenty-four. That's where we're at. Yeah, twenty-four it says, and some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And you know what? That's the way it is. Anytime you preach, some people believe. And some don't. And so, uh, I want to stop here for a minute because what people often tell you it, when, when they're talking about the book of Acts is they'll tell you how the first nine chapters were focused on Israel. And then we see the conversion of Saul. And then the focus goes to the Gentiles. And then it's more about the Gentiles. But, you know, the truth is when we, when we look at this book as a whole, the, the stories about the Gentiles are more like footnotes in a story about Israel persecuting believers who are trying to get them saved. That's really what it was about. It was about Israel having a problem with Gentiles getting saved, like was prophesied in Isaiah and was prophesied in Hosea and other places. And, and so from chapters 21 through 28, basically, it's kind of one long story. Chapters 21 through 28, it's one long story of Paul preaching to the Jews that resulted in him getting taken to Rome and standing trial, where he preaches to Jews one last time. That's how that's how it kind of ends, with him preaching to Jews one last time. The first third of the book, if we were to break the book up into three parts, one third of the book is about Jews getting saved, and a lot of Jews got saved during those early days of the church. But the but the second third of the book of Acts, it's a majority of the Jews persecuting those who did get saved and then the last third is paul going against the leading of the holy ghost to try to make one last attempt to get the jews saved so you know and so when we're reading the conclusion of this book it is it's a mainly about the apostles trying to get israel saved trying to get them saved nationally as a people because judgment was coming And right here in the end of this chapter, we're kind of seeing the final result. And it is. It's a total rejection in Jerusalem that resulted in Paul going to Rome. And the Jews mostly rejecting there too. So it says, and some believe the things which were spoken and some believe not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that. Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying... Go unto this people and say, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. You know what the conclusion was? The, the, if I was going to subtitle the book of Acts, I would say it's the apostles' bold attempt to get Israel saved. They did everything they could to try to reach that nation. But you know what the conclusion was after all the persecution, after all the attempts, after Paul finally, after a horrible rejection, after a terrible riot that took place in Jerusalem, Paul now is in Rome preaching to Jews one last time and they reject him again. And you know what he says? Isaiah was right. This is this is what God said was going to happen. While we wanted to get these people saved, why we wanted to see this nation turn to God and not receive all the judgment that God said was going to come on them, it's going to happen. You know what? They are the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. That, that's, the, that's the conclusion of the book of Acts. Yes, a bunch of people got saved. It was a great start in the beginning, but at the end of the day, the majority of them rejected and the majority won in the battle and they persecuted the Christians. They spread them all over and just fought them everywhere they went. And at the end, Paul's just like, yep, that's it. Just like Isaiah said. And so in verse 28, it said, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent To the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And did you know that since, you know, the early days of the church, there has never been another great revival amongst the Jewish people? It's never happened. Not since, it's never happened. They've never led a revival. You know, God's work in the last 2,000 years has been primarily through Gentiles. It's Gentile churches. You know, the Old Testament, God preserved that Old Testament th- through the Jewish people, through the nation of Israel. Unto them were committed the oracles of God. But isn't it interesting, too, how the New Testament was preserved through the years in the Greek language, which was the majority of the Gentile world, the, the language that they spoke. And now the majority of Gentiles, the majority of the world, you'd say that of the, you know, you know and they'll say, well, there's more people speaking Mandarin Chinese or whatever. What are they doing for the gospel? Nothing. It's, it's you know Gentile people that are doing something with the gospel. They're mainly English-speaking people. And I believe that is one of the main reasons, too. This King James Bible that we have is something very special. I do believe that it is not just a, a completely accurate translation, but it is. This is special, and it is a standard, and God has used it the way he has for a reason because it's the Gentiles mainly getting the job done. Right. That's, that's why. And so, and Paul said, Gentiles are it's where it's going to happen. The Gentiles is where it's going to take place. And this is, we are in the time of the Gentiles right now. God's working amongst the Gentile people. And he has not worked with the Jewish people. I hate to break it to you, he's not going back to them either. Okay, and you know that's where I'll lose our dispensational friends, but uh, that's another conversation for another day. Verse 29: When he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning, great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. And 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 what's interesting too. Because in the book of Acts, this is something you know, that I'm not going to go and, and spend a lot of time proving, but we do see periods of time where it was like Paul had no problems. And those are, they're literally just like footnotes. The majority of the stories that were seen in the book of Acts, it's the battles that are being fought. The only place where we see a lot of time spent on success is when it was going on in Jerusalem. So in in reality, the book of Acts is all about the Jewish people. It's all about the nation of Israel. It's about a revival that took place, but it's one that didn't go as far as it needed to. And then it's about apostasy and a battle and a fight. And it, it ends with them just concluding God knew what he was talking about. And you know what? We're going to the Gentiles. And that's where it ends. It doesn't end with the death of Paul. It ends saying it's going to happen with the Gentiles. And you know what? It, we're a continuation of that story that we're seeing. We're in that same period of time. That, and, and so the Bible doesn't tell us how Paul died, but the book of Acts shows us after Paul got to Rome, he kept doing the work of the Lord. He kept preaching. He kept getting people saved. And I, do, I believe we are residual fruit of the ministry of the Apostle Paul today and and those gentile people that paul said god's going to do a work with them i believe this is the fruit of the gentile people and the work that they did they they did miraculously hang on to the words of god preserved it for us so we still have a copy of it today and that's how we're able to continue going on If we, we lose the word of god we're done it, it would take less than a generation for it to just all go away and, and apostasy to just completely take over if we just didn't have the word of God. We, we're, we're done with, without it. But I believe God's going to take us out of this world before he's going to let his word go away. I, I know he is. Heaven and earth's going to pass before that happens. We will always have the word of God. And so with that, hopefully you got a lot out of the book of Acts, an amazing book. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for uh, the wonderful lessons that we learned uh, throughout this book. Lord, I know I got a lot from it. It helped my understanding of a lot of things. And so I pray, Lord, uh, as uh, we see the conclusion of this chapter with the Apostle Paul just doing your work, I pray, Lord, it will just renew our commitment to continue the work. And, uh, and Lord, I, I feel privileged to be a part of this. Lord, what you started in the book of Acts, we are still seeing fruit of that today. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll help this church to be a big part in continuing this work and causing the Word to be spread through all the world. In Your name we pray. Amen.